you have to let that wave take you over because you got to rationalize it. If you're not fully in it, you can't fully disperse it. You can't work through it because you're not acknowledging some of it. The stuff you don't acknowledge gets buried and becomes very detrimental. I'd rather just dive in and just be soaked in that feeling and then work through it because it's going to come back and it's going to come back 10 times as heavy. In a previous episode, we talked you through the 15 skills of emotional intelligence. Now we're going to discuss some tools to help you apply and develop those skills in everyday situations. But first, just as a reminder, we are in the composure domain right now. And composure is our ability to stay calm and in control when facing stress or adversity. Helps us recognize and understand emotional reactions and allows us to respond quickly so that we can regain clarity and composure. And we're talking about EQ or emotional intelligence, which is understanding how your emotions impact your ability to make decisions, solve problems, interact with people, and show up as the person you want to be. So basically everything. Basically everything. All right, let's do it. I'm Chris. And I'm Kylie. And this is Redefining Resilience. Where we explore what it means to build a resilient lifestyle. So you can thrive in any and every situation. Our first tool comes from the EQ Edge, which is a fantastic book. Highly recommend. And... They walk you through an exercise, and it's called the A-B-C-D-E exercise. A-B-C-D-E. Yep. Got the inspo from the alphabet, I think. This is an exercise that helps you walk through your emotions when there's a triggering event. Because things are going to happen all the time. It's how we react and respond during those events challenges that's going to shape how we're able to overcome the adversity that we're facing. So this ABCDE exercise, I'll give you what the letters stand for first, and then we'll talk about each one. So A is the activating event. B are your beliefs. C is the consequence. D is Debate, dispute, and discard. And E are the effects of debating, disputing, and discarding. So we'll walk through this and talk about a specific example that we can apply this to. So the activating event is the situation at hand. There's something that you're being faced with. Somebody says something car cuts you off, some kind of event in your life that throws you for a loop. So Chris, do you have an example of a situation? Are we talking about losing your temper? That that would be a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I built my training program out to compete in February and I had a lift that I was supposed to hit and um, well, all things put together, I didn't hit the lift. So not only did I not hit the lift, I threw a fit like a big giant man child. That's true. I was there. I got to witness it. It is also on Instagram. 
Just a section of it, not the whole thing. Not I still the temper have the whole tantrum. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> the temper tantrum got cut out. But yeah, essentially, it's a it's a log lift. So, uh, pick it up off the ground, put it in your lap, pull it up to your chest, and put it above your head. I can get it to my chest. I just couldn't get it above my head, and uh, I was very emotionally attached to it. Like I was, I knew I was too emotionally attached to it because of the first fail. I was wildly emotional after I failed it for the first time. <laughs> like, I got to just get out of here. So the fail would be the A, the activating event. <laughs> okay, so you failed at your lift. Yes. And then you you said some things. I said a few things, yeah. Do you remember any of what you said? Well, you Review go through a cycle, tape. right? You go through a cycle of like, why the fuck do I even do this? Like, what's the point? I'm spending all this fucking time working as hard as I can <laughs> <laughs> to put all these pieces together and you try to do it and it's like, well, fuck, what's the point? I could have failed this and not spent all that energy. I mean, I think it's kind of good if we're going to go down that rabbit hole to, <laughs> <laughs> to have those experiences because you got to figure out where you are in space and time. I think failure is extremely beneficial, but. At the moment, it didn't feel beneficial. No, it made you want to <laughs> throw in the towel, you know. So if I could recap maybe a phrase that I heard coming out of your mouth, you're like, clearly I suck at this. I mean, if we're going to add up all the lifts, yeah, overhead I'm not too great at. So, <laughs> Okay. So your response immediately was to kind of catastrophize. You kind of went from you obviously thought you could do it because you were attempting it, right? And you wanted to challenge yourself. And then when you didn't accomplish what you set out to accomplish, it was immediately like... I'm frustrated. I suck at this. Like you went down this path of negativity real quick. Well, because it's not just a failed lift. It's a accumulation of eight weeks of training that all point to forward. And I have lifted far more than that in other lifts for 15 fucking reps. Yeah. So like I clearly had this in the bag. It just made sense on paper. The problem is, is on paper isn't real life. So coming to grips with something like that, I mean, it's essentially a swift kick in the nuts. It's, yeah. hey, here's reality, bro. I know you don't believe in this because you, you're you just focused on the paper, but here's what's actually happening. There's an, a part of the equation you didn't take into account, and you figure it out uh, way late. So, yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah. So the A is obviously the failed lift. That's our activating event. Now, B is what beliefs did you have about yourself in that moment? Uh, that I wasn't good at programming, for sure. That clearly the flaw was my fault. Because that's the part I like about weightlifting so much is you can't blame it on anybody else. It's you. You can't blame it on your program. You can't blame it on the dude that wrote it. Like, yeah. It's 100% implementation. So... If, if we were to summarize, like, what belief came up at that point in time, it's, I suck at this. That was what I heard you say. That was probably the closest thing to, like, the root of the belief. Yeah. Okay. Consequence of the belief. Of that belief, to give up would mm -hmm. be the consequence. Like, if I actually believed that, I wouldn't even try it. So let's go back. Now we can debate, dispute, and discard. Do you really suck at that? No, and I think that's what the following 30 minutes was. 
debating, disputing, and discarding. Yeah. Spent a little while riding in the car, being real quiet, staring out the window, thinking like, what calculation went wrong? Where was I misleading myself? I clearly don't suck at this because I've you're nationally ranked at a, at a decent level. You're you know? nationally ranked. Yeah. I mean, and progressively getting better. I mean, if you look at like totals, I'm stronger than I've ever been. Right. But I think the trap that driven people fall down is like, you want to be the best. So you compare yourself to the best. So when you're constantly seeing people do things that like dominate the lift that you would do, like just now you're not even close. You're not even the same world. Yet. Yeah, but in the moment, right? Right. I don't see the yet, yet. I know that it is more training involved in that for myself to get to the point that I see the yet while I lift. Well, and I would say subconsciously, you did not actually mentally give up because what you you did after that lift, you lowered the weight and you did the lift again and you got the lift, no problem. And then you went on and you did some bicep curls and continued working out. So in in your mind, your subconscious was doing some work to debate, dispute and discard, which is reality testing. It's a skill we talked about in the last episode, which is evaluating what's real, what's made up. If you really thought that you sucked and you shouldn't be trying this stuff, you wouldn't have continued to work out. You would have just quit, walked out of the gym right then and there. But you didn't do that. So there's a high level of reality testing that you actually displayed in that moment. And then when you took a further step back, when you got home and processed you know, the failure of that workout, you came up with some new ways of thinking about it. Well, yeah, like on the way home, I messaged my coach and the people that I value their opinion greatly. I sent him the video and I'm like, just tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what sucks. Like this clearly is not working. So like I'm at a loss. So fix me. (laughs) What did Big Mike say first? (laughs) Be stronger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Try harder. Yeah. Thanks, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just use more strength. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just be stronger. It's my fault. Yeah. I wasn't using all my strength. <laughs> but he did give you some very technical feedback on how you might course correct. Yeah. yeah or what to work on. Right. So because you debated, disputed, and discarded those I suck thoughts. You were able to take proactive action, right? So if we go into the E of the ABCDE model, it's the effects of debating, disputing, and discarding. The effects are you stayed the course. You figured out how to get feedback, get some some insight into how you can make adjustments so that you can go into it with a different approach or maybe a different mindset or take other steps to train muscles, right, that you're going to need to use to be more successful at that lift in the future. So I think this is a really good example of the ABCDE exercise in action And you can go through this exercise on your own when you come across challenging circumstances or triggering events and just walk yourself through, all right, what's actually happening here? Why am I upset? What are my beliefs around 
this situation? And then what consequence came from my beliefs? And then are those real, right? Debate, dispute, and discard, are those real? What evidence do I have to support my beliefs? Or do my beliefs need to be adjusted? Because that's really ultimately what we're trying to do is come up with some more productive beliefs that are going to help us get to our goal. So the I suck belief is not going to get you to world's strongest man. No, not at all. But I think it's really interesting. I can only speak for myself because I don't know necessarily how everybody runs through this, but I can feel when it's too emotional. It's like a big giant wave of emotion. And I know that it's like, you ever been in the ocean and the wave's coming in and it's way stronger and way bigger than you thought it was going to be? Yeah. And it like pulls your feet? Oh, yeah. It's literally eroding the sand underneath your legs, your, your feet, and you're going in the water. That's what it feels like. So you almost have to just breathe in deep, let it take you and feel it. Because if you fight it, it's a thousand times worse. Because you're not making rational decisions when you're fighting it. You're making decisions on doom or gloom. Like you're way off on the end of a spectrum. Like you're not even close to the actual reality. So you kind of have to let it take you, feel the emotions. And sit with them for a minute. Well, and just like rationalize it. Mm -hmm. You have to say, yes, I understand this sucked. Yes, I understand. I wanted to fucking murder that thing. If I could have wadded it up in a ball and kicked it out the window, I would have. (laughs) I (laughs) I think you would have hurt your foot. (laughs) So mad at this thing. You did throw it. I did. (laughs) No, I, I, I think you're right. This is us using impulse control. You might not have used a ton of impulse control when you threw 300 pounds, (laughs) on the ground but it's regulated right so like i understand that nobody's gonna get hurt yeah it's a regulated environment even if i didn't throw it on the ground it was going there anyways if i would have completed the lift with equal vigor and strength i would have thrown that bitch on the ground (laughs) but i would have been excited yeah so like i knew what i was doing i was controlled but i think it's important to understand the a b c d e's aren't all in control. Like you have to let that wave take you over because you got to rationalize it. If you're not fully in it, you can't fully disperse it. You can't work through it because you're not acknowledging some of it. The stuff you don't acknowledge gets buried and becomes very detrimental. I'd rather just dive in and just be soaked in that feeling and then work through it if it takes me 45 minutes and say, fuck it, it doesn't exist. Bury it down and ignore it. Because it's going to come back, and it's going to come back 10 times as heavy. And then that's when the self-doubt is going to creep in. and Well, that's when you actually do quit. Yeah, and this is just a great example of you finding an edge. You have found an edge where you have to either develop more strength or take a different approach or make some kind of adjustment or just practice more. And the funny thing is, that's actually why I love the sport so much, is the failure then defeat of failure, right? This sport is so beautiful because of that. If that didn't exist, it'd be boring as shit. You just go in and lift heavy all the time. But because it's a battle and because it takes so many calculations and there's so many variables, it's a beautiful thing. There's always room to grow. Literally, all the time. Yeah. I think this was a really good example of, one... It's 
the process itself of growing is not always the most fun or the most like rose colored all of the time. You are actually in the process of growing. Well, here's here's the the reality of the situation of growth, right? There's something called beginner gains in the gym. Here's why beginner gains exist. You're not building strength, you're building efficiency, okay? So you're actually becoming more fluid at making a movement. Just like when you first get into a job and all of a sudden it's like, shit's just clicking and you're fucking killing it and like all your cold calls work. Like you're just becoming very efficient at doing something new. You're excited about it too. Exactly. You're dumping a lot of energy into it. You're only focusing on the good because you want to do good and you're excited about it. Real growth comes from finding an edge and slightly being demoralized, but then pushing forward because it only counts to beat it if it's worth fucking beating. So you, you're you not really growing if you're just becoming more efficient, right? Right. It's a learning opportunity. You have to have that, that proverbial kick in the dick to <laughs> stop in order to say, all right, I've found an edge. I have to work harder now, right? You have to. Absolutely. And I think this also demonstrates a great deal of tenacity, which is another one of the domains that we're going to get to in the future. But just archive this story as a great example. And I think that was also a fantastic way to apply the ABCDE exercise when it comes to helping you process and reality test your emotions because we need to be the observers of our emotions not the feelers of our emotions because they are concocted in our brain they're not reality it's our reaction to reality that creates emotions true but it doesn't mean you won't feel them right absolutely that was a hard concept for me to understand for a long time because i think there are Some people on the planet, as emotional as I am, I get really emotional about shit. Passion. Like. We call it passion. Okay. I get very passionate, right? So for people to say, like, you just have to be the observer of all those emotions, it's like, shit, I don't know, man. Like, I get really overwhelmed sometimes. Like, heavy emotion, especially in the gym, because, like, it's so, I'm so passionate about it, and I love what I do, that... For someone to say, just just observe that feeling of excitement. It's like, well, that's not real. You're still going to feel it. You know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're just going to learn how to sort it out. Yeah, know? especially if it's an unproductive emotion. If you're spiraling down this path where you going down that path of the extreme where you're saying, I suck at this, I should just quit, blah, blah, blah. You didn't say I should just quit, but I'm, for example, yeah. if you had. Well, it's you know. easy to do that. Once you find that edge like the first real test of whether you know what the hell you're talking about or you actually want to be here. So I love it when people compete for the first time because it's like, well, either going to continue forever or this is it because it's a real, a real eye opener because it's hard. So next tool going from negative to neutral is taking those very intense negative emotions and diffusing them with a little bit of neutrality. It's not realistic that you're going to jump from negative to positive or just be overwhelmed with optimism, right? In a tough situation, the best we're going to be able to convince our brain 
to move to is a place of neutrality. So instead of being angry because you didn't hit that lift, we can move to, well, I'm annoyed. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated with myself. That's a little bit more neutral. Yeah, you give credence to the the issue and the, the frustration. Yep. As long as the, the frustration is allowed to be there, like you acknowledge it, like, yes, this is frustrating. And then it's easier to be like, okay, like, am I really not supposed to be here? I'm supposed to be here. Like, that, that's fine. Like, it, it is frustrating, but then you can rationalize your frustration inside the concept of the whole journey as opposed to this singular one point in time being the entire journey. And you can also remind yourself of other times you've been in a similar state of mind. Have you ever failed at a lift before? Thousands of times. Yeah, and here you are. You're still kicking. Yeah. If you can bring yourself to a more neutral place, and this, again, it takes a lot of emotional regulation. It's regulation because you are intentionally taking steps to change your own mind. Which is the hardest mind to change. Yeah, we get very attached to the previous decisions that we made or the attachment to an expectation, right? You expected to hit that lift. Which I think all in all was the 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 flaw at the beginning. I knew on the way to the gym, I'm like, I, I'm putting a lot in this, man. Like, there's a, already too much attached to this. And if you were doubting yourself even a little bit, that doubt can creep in and show up as a failed lift. Yeah. When I was younger, I always wanted the best all the time. So I would get really disappointed with myself when it wasn't like, perfect you know like i love building model airplanes and i want them to look like a war-torn b-17 flying in with like just getting destroyed by shrapnel it's like i'm seven there's no way that i'm gonna make this look like that i'm gonna be lucky to put this bitch together you know so my expectations have always been slightly higher than reality. <laughs> I just had to learn how to deal with that. But that is exactly what self-actualization is. We talked about that last episode as one of the skills of EQ. Self-actualization is your desire to be the best or to become your highest, fullest potential, right? So you have this intrinsic motivation. That's why all of these EQ skills are very much interrelated. And we don't want to just be great at a couple of them. We want to be mindful and practicing all of them, but at different times, right? In an intense situation, like a failure in a lift at the gym, you need impulse control. You need reality testing. You've got to remind yourself of your self-regard. You are good at this. You do want to be the best. So in that pursuit of self-actualization, you're going to fail. Failure is a necessary part to learn and to, to grow and to find those edges. So it's all very much correlated and connected in this set of skills that you're going to be leveraging at different points in time. So a few other examples of taking your emotions from negative to neutral instead of anxiety. Anxiety is a, a feeling that we all deal with in different times of our life and different intensities. You are giving a presentation 
let's say you're public speaking. I had a, a presentation to a team of executives this week and before I could feel my hands starting to sweat. I'm in the room by myself before everybody came in and it's like five minutes out and I know they're going to be trickling in at any point in time. I could feel my hands getting cold and clammy and starting to sweat and then a little bit of that coffee jitter starts kicking in and my fingers start shaking and immediately told myself I have to switch gears because this is anxiety creeping in and I have to shift. And my go-to shift with anxiety is excitement because they're very closely connected as far as neuropathways in our brain. And so I can very easily shift from anxiety to excitement and then channel that into positive neurochemicals in my body where I'm releasing endorphins or adrenaline and it's going to be a more productive emotion to help get me excited and amped up and bring energy to the conversation, right? But if I let that anxiety eat me up, I'm going to continue to worry and fret and then my body is going to have a reaction too. My muscles are going to tighten. I might not be able to speak as fluidly, get into that that flow rhythm. When I give presentations, it takes me a minute to get into this flow state. But once I'm there, I'm like good to go. But it might prolong my ability to step into that flow state, right? And so I I shift to either excitement or curiosity. I'm curious to see how this is going to go. I'm excited. So you're telling me you can literally translate nervous, anxious feelings into excited feelings? Yeah. And the other thing I did in that exact moment was take a a couple deep breaths. I literally changed my physiology by just... (sighs) And if you do that, do that right now, wherever you are listening to this podcast, Mm -hmm. force yourself to take three deep breaths you will notice you actually get calmer. I always say it's like the good old IT fail safe, right? When you have an IT issue, what do they always tell you? Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Taking those deep breaths is the restart button for your brain. You're literally resetting your neurochemicals to a neutral place, and now you get to choose how you want to feel. So I told myself, I'm really excited for this group. I think they're going to be engaged. I think they're going to ask good questions. I I visualized how it was going to go multiple times in my head, over and over and over, and I just came back to that visualization, and it was always a positive outcome. And of course, it it ended up panning out exactly how I visualized it. Well, it's because you have the best manifestation skills on the planet. I mean, that's true. We'll talk about that someday. (laughs) Can't give away all my secrets just yet. (laughs) But it's cool to watch you work through feelings and understand. uh, I mean, the statement knowledge is power is is 100% true here. You understand how your brain is working. So you understand where the pathways are built in your noggin. So you can say, okay, the shortest leap for my body to take, my mind and brain to take, 
is to switch from anxiety to excitement. Mm -hmm. If you understand the leap is small, you've already told yourself it's easy and you can do it by just saying, oh, that is a short leap and it's doable. Yeah. Then you've opened up the pathway already. So you, you therefore control your environment, your response to your environment. I made it a point to really understand how my brain works because my theory was if I can understand how my brain's working, I can basically hack anything. Like I can hack any goal I have. I can figure out how to get there faster. I'm all about efficiency. And my brain is in charge of everything. It's literally what controls all of our behavior our thoughts, our feelings, everything. So if you can understand how that thing works, you can do everything easier. Everything I've learned about the brain, I've put into action, and it has changed my life. I mean, part of the reason why we wanted to do this podcast was just to share this stuff, because it can change your life. So anytime you're in an anxious situation, tell yourself you're either excited or you're curious, and then look for reasons why that's true. Because your brain will look for whatever you program it to look for. I think you told me that a while ago. The mind doesn't understand the difference between reality and what you tell it. So if you tell it, it's going to be horrible. It's going to try to find the things to validate how horrible it is because you told it it's going to be horrible. Yup. And vice versa. Tell it it's going to be great. It's going to find all the things that make it great. Another shift you can make, so if you're feeling guilty or shame about something, those are some pretty strong emotions. Very. Maybe you shift to disappointment. Yeah, I'm disappointed it went like that. Or I'm disappointed I I didn't think to do it this way. Or I'm disappointed that I didn't have this idea sooner. Or I'm disappointed I, I had to say no to that thing. But you're not going to feel guilty or shameful about it because those are, are much more extreme emotions. When we feel our emotions in such extremes, we go on this roller coaster of volatility where we have super high highs and then we have super low lows. And really what we need to try to get to is this place of equanimity where we're kind of staying close to our baseline of neutrality and peace. That's ultimately what cultivates happiness, which I think is, I would say, where a lot of people are trying to go with their life. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be happy. Those shifts are just a few examples. So angry to irritated, anxious to curiosity or excitement, and then guilt or shame to disappointment or acceptance. And then the third tool is leveraging assessments. There are so many awesome behavioral assessments out there, personality assessments out there that you can use to just gain insight into how you're hardwired and how your behaviors show up. And we use quite a few. We have the PR6, which is our resilience assessment. We've got the 16PF assessment, which is 16 factors that make up your personality and your hard wiring. And then we've got the EQI assessment that we can use to measure emotional intelligence. There's so many tools you can use to just capture information about yourself that 
might give you some aha moments or some great self-reflection and point out some blind spots or opportunities for you to grow and just become more aware. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to make any kind of substantial change or growth in your life. If you don't have a baseline of understanding of where you are currently, you have no idea where you're going. Just like our first episode, we were talking about that guy doing that goofy lift in the gym, and I asked him what his goals were. He's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, awesome. You're on the right track. <laughs> because anything's getting you anywhere. You know, getting you somewhere. Yeah. So if you want to be intentional, you want to change, this is a perfect way to start. Understand where you are emotionally, how you handle yourself emotionally, because those dictate your decisions. So if you're new to this, you're like, okay, cool. I really want to get into this. Where the hell does somebody start? Like, if you were a beginner in this and you wanted to, to jump in, like, where do you where do you jump in at? It's going to sound like a shameless plug, but I don't even care if you hire us. Just hire a coach. A coach is a great way to get guidance on where to start. And there's lots of different coaches out there. So I would say, like, find a coach that is specialized in the specific area you want to grow in. Like if you're trying to level up your health and wellness, well, you probably wouldn't just like randomly Google a workout plan and jump into it that way. You'd probably hire somebody who has expertise in getting to the place where you want to go and they've gone through the process themselves and they can teach other people how to do it. It shortcuts the process tenfold. You could get there on your own. Sure. You could take the path of Googling, you know, random resources, but at the end of the day, those resources don't know who you are, where you've been, where you're trying to go. They don't know you as a person. So until you work with somebody who's specialized in the thing that you're trying to work on, I feel like you may or may not be on the fastest path. I'm all about efficiency, and I have experienced exponential growth through hiring coaches. So I would say your first step, talk to a coach. Even if you don't hire them, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation with one of them because they may give you one piece of advice that just sets you off on the right trajectory. So I would say talk to a coach, talk to a mentor or just a subject matter expert or a friend who's gone through something that you think you need to learn from. Use your resources. You're not in this alone. There are experts out there in everything. So talk to somebody who knows and has been through what you're trying to work on. And then step two is leverage the resources they recommend. I think just putting it out in the open, too. I know you and I have countless conversations about stuff, and I'll just throw stuff out there that I'm thinking about or working on or have questions about, and we'll just debate it. We'll go from, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way to Z on all of the ins and outs of what we're talking about. And it really helps sometimes just to be heard, you know, just, hey, I'm interested in personal development. So to put it out there and then explain it, 
you're going to work through that in your noggin while you're explaining it to them. So you're going to eventually land on what you need to work on by just explaining it to somebody. So I think what we're trying to say is talk to somebody. Yeah. Talk to somebody and then just trust your gut. Trust your intuition on where you need to grow and put some energy behind it. Yeah, leverage the tests. Leverage people smarter than you. I do it all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's the easiest way. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Redefining Resilience. To learn more about building your mental and physical readiness, check out odysseyresilience.org. And follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. The end.